Well, as I said at the, uh, the beginning of the service, today is Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday always comes the Sunday after Pentecost. And uh, on Trinity Sunday, we usually confess our faith using the Athanasian Creed. We, we pull this thing out pretty much once a year. And a lot of that has to do with the length of it. Uh, it's just a very long creed. And uh, as you may have noticed, it's a little bit repetitive. Uh, it, it's really kind of digging into this, what does it mean that God is three in one? And, and how do the different persons of the Trinity interrelate with each other? The other thing that maybe you find a little bit interesting about Trinity Sunday is while the Old Testament lesson and the Gospel lessons are always different, no matter you know, what year, we have this three-year series that we follow, the second reading is always the same. It's always this reading from Acts chapter 2. It's always this, this next portion of Peter's sermon on Pentecost. You know, so we, we started reading this last week, talking about how the, uh, the Holy Spirit had come and, and how uh, Peter got up and he, he spoke on that day of Pentecost. And it's an interesting thing as, uh, as we read this, that he speaks so comfortably, so naturally, about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, when you read the Old Testament, that type of language is in there, but it's never brought together in in one place the way that, that Jesus brings it together, and therefore the way that Peter brings it together here. And, and I think that there are some important things for us to grab onto when we think of the way that Peter, on Pentecost, is talking about the Trinity. He doesn't just talk about the Spirit. He doesn't just talk about the Son. And he doesn't just talk about the Father. He speaks of all three persons, but only as of one God. So, Remember the scene that uh, they gathered together and they were praying and the Holy Spirit came. There was a sound of a rushing wind and then something that looked like tongues of fire appeared over them and they started speaking in different languages and everybody heard it. And the people said, hey, something pretty amazing is going on here. We hear them speaking in our own languages. And what did some people assume when they heard that? That they were drunk which makes no sense. Uh, but the step only goes back so far. So don't step off the back. Sorry about that. I don't know if you saw that. I don't, sorry. When you almost fall over backwards, it really gets your attention. So they assumed that they were drunk, which I am not. Uh, <laughs> thought I should just clarify that. I'm completely so far off point now. Hold on. Um, they assumed that they were drunk, and Peter gets up, and he says, hey, this is not what you think it is. Remember? And we talked about how Peter preaches a sermon. He says, this is God. This is God pouring out his spirit because the judgment is coming, and he has given a way to be saved. So all of the events of Pentecost are really about God's salvation and delivering that salvation to the people. So the Spirit comes, and he is doing his work 
right there to bring salvation. And, and you know, he's getting their attention. He quotes from, from the prophet Joel, and he says, you know, this is what Joel was talking about, and there's all this incredible language. And so as he continues on, he's established the scene that this is about God giving a way of salvation, and now Peter points to Jesus, that he is the Savior. He identifies him as the one who saves from the the coming wrath, from the the day of the Lord. And I think that the important thing for us to see here, the important thing for us to grab onto, is that salvation is not just Jesus' job. I think that sometimes we get this impression that, well, God the Father created everything, and God the Son is, you know, he's the Savior, And God, the Holy Spirit, he brings sanctification, whatever that might be, because that's a word we use all the time, right? And really what you see happening here in in Pentecost is all three persons of the Trinity active in the same activity. And the reality is when you read the scriptures, it doesn't matter what is going on. All three persons of the Trinity are always active. So, some years we read Genesis chapter 1 with Trinity Sunday. You know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the Spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. And God spoke, let there be light. So you have Father, you have the Spirit. Well, where's the Son? Well, John says that in the beginning was the... Word and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And how did God create all things? By speaking words. That that's Jesus. That's how we understand that. And so all three persons are active in this, this act of, of creating. Same thing with sanctification. Jesus talks about sending the Spirit. He talks about the Father sending the Spirit, and the Spirit is very much present. All three are active in this work of making us holy. That's what sanctification means. Making us holy by giving us faith to receive Jesus' salvation. Making us holy by transforming our lives so that we become obedient to God's word and God's will. Changing the way that we think and we act. And in salvation as well, All three persons of the Trinity are active. God wants all people to be saved. And it's not just he's like, well, that's your job, Jesus. No. It's the priority of the whole Godhead. This is what God desires, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they are all at work here. It says that that Jesus was sent with a definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And in that definite plan and foreknowledge of God... Jesus would suffer, and he would die for us. And as we see, as we read this passage, the Spirit leads Peter to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And we're going to find that as we continue to read this, not this week, that the Spirit is going to create faith in the people who hear this message so that they receive that salvation. And this this is part of the mystery of the Trinity, You know, we clearly hear in the scriptures, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. Yet there's only one God, and they are completely and totally in harmony. 
and they're in harmony as they work in our lives. And it's, it's hard to speak of this, you know, because I'm using this, this, this plural, they are in harmony, and yet it is really he is in harmony with himself. And there's a mystery that's involved with this. And, and so what we're, we're really called to do in this, in regard to the Trinity, is that we confess, we admit that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Maybe you've seen this before, I'm sure. It's the, the classic diagram, which you know, we, we put up in confirmation class. You know, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Son, nor is he the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth, and you can follow the pattern around. But I think you should notice that as Peter talks about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he really never takes the time to explain that. You know, he, he doesn't get up there and say, okay, people, here's what you need to understand. God is Father, Son, Spirit. It works like this. There, there is no St. Patrick's clover leaf. There are no bad analogies going on there. It's just God is. And I think that there's an important lesson for us in there. He never argues. He never uses the word triune. None of it. He simply repeats what Jesus taught him. He uses Jesus' language. Because Jesus spoke of the Father as God. He spoke of the Spirit as God. And he reveals himself as God. And I think this is a good example for us when we witness too. Not just in regard to the Trinity, but in regard to any type of witness we do about Jesus. That we just repeat what Jesus teaches us in his word. We don't have to argue. It doesn't matter how smart we are or how well we can argue with people. That doesn't bring them into the kingdom. What brings them into the kingdom is faith in Jesus. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, where does the Holy Spirit work? Through the word. And so we're here to just just share what Jesus has done, to confess our faith in Jesus. To share the hope that is in us. To declare the deeds of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, to just talk about Jesus' salvation. You know, and as a side note here, it's really hard, really hard, to talk about what Jesus teaches us if we are never reading his word. This is one of the things that that is so important, and it's something that is being lost in our time and in our culture. And I'm talking not about the culture, I'm talking about the church. That we don't listen to the word. We don't spend time reading it and actually listening to what Jesus said. And so we become a group of people who think we know what Jesus said. Or we think we know what his priorities are. But we haven't actually read to listen to Jesus speak to us. And we are deficient because of that. We need to be people who hear this word beyond Sunday morning. If you came every Sunday 
for three years, because we have this three-year series that I mentioned earlier, you would actually only read about 20% of the Bible. Is 20% enough to know the whole thing? It's not. We need to spend time in the scriptures listening to Jesus, being with Jesus, letting him teach us, letting the spirit form us so that when those opportunities come, that we're able to speak those words that God has impressed upon us. And for Peter on Pentecost Sunday, that was all about proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and Christ. And those are both very loaded words in the context that, Jesus, that Peter is speaking in there. He is saying that he is God and that he is the promised Savior. Now, next week when we get together, we're going to hear the crowd say, how should we respond to this news? But I think that's a good question for us to ask ourselves, too. You know, so if Jesus is the Lord and Christ that God has promised, how should we respond to that? And I think the heart of how we respond to that is in our gospel lesson. And it goes to why. Why is Jesus Lord and Christ? What is the foundation of our relationship with him as we relate to this news, this incredible news that Jesus is Lord and Christ? Well, Jesus himself, himself tells us that the reason he is Lord and Christ is that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Part of, of, of what it means to be a Christian part of our task, why we are left here and not immediately taken up to heaven when we come to faith, is that this is good news. That God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Imagine being there in that crowd and listening to Peter. This guy that you crucified is both Lord and Christ. Does that sound like good news or does that sound like bad news? Because I'm thinking that if I'm on the receiving end of that, I'm not feeling too good about that. But we need to understand that with God's foreknowledge, with Jesus' desire to do this, his willingness, with the Spirit who wants to create this faith in us, that this is good news that Jesus is Lord in Christ because his desire is to save the world. And there are a lot of people, when they hear about God, they consider everything that he says bad news. That it's some kind of condemnation on them. But it's good news that Jesus died in our place. That he is raised from the dead. And that the Spirit delivers Jesus' salvation to us. And so I think that the question then becomes for us, what does it look like to show the world a forgiven life? To show the world what it means to be saved through faith in Jesus. And let me just ask some, some questions. I don't think this will be hard. What does a forgiven life look like? Does it look grumpy, hateful, and like people who are hard to be around? Does it look like people who are self-centered, judgmental, and cheap? 
How about people who are grateful, joyful, peaceful, loving, kind, and forgiving? That's the one you're supposed to be doing with you. Yeah. Because salvation is a great gift. And it changes us. It's a slow process. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of back and forth in there. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I sure have. But in the end, if we live in Jesus' forgiveness, it will make us more like Jesus, who is like the Father, because we have his Spirit in us. Amen.